Hello, welcome to Scopy Studio. We are here with Thomas Alain and Brandy Barry Benson from the Bach and Beethoven Ensemble. Thank you guys so much for coming and joining us. Yay! Yay! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Roger, his best friend, come in and uh, 
Roger's been having issues with his girlfriend, Jenny, or who he wishes is his girlfriend, yeah. and they're playing this game of cat and mouse, whereas Peggy and Patey are super happy and in love, so he's kind of rubbing it in Roger's face when they enter. But uh, the title, The Walking of the Fold, is a reference to um, uh, the, the sheep where they would oh, separate, yeah. uh, in the spring, they would separate the, the baby sheep from the mother sheep. And that was referred to as the walking of the folds. So, as Brandy said, they kind of, the tunes and the songs retain the titles of their original folk songs, but the content has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Although, this one actually does make reference to a walking of the fold. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it does. It's kind of a play on words because it's kind of a work song. Um, also, and in addition to, you know, like, them coming out of this field and whatever and they're introducing the story but the the watching literally the watching of the fold also um refers to when they're taking the wool and it's kind of gross but usually they use like sheep urine <laughs> and they like fold the wool over like many times and they're kind of working the wool so it kind of also refers to that too it's kind of a play on words so so you know fun had by all with this song. <laughs> yeah. I, knew yeah. I have it memorized, but I'm going to have it in front of me just because Peggy does this and Peggy does that and Peggy does a lot of things and is a lot of things and so it gets very confusing yeah. after a while. So. <laughs> yes. yeah. so just a little security blanket for yeah. this one. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, so... <laughs> something up because yeah. it's just like by Peggy blah <laughs> and it's like well what does she do you could pick any number of them so I was like okay yes. <laughs> cool. um, do we want to just keep going into the string piece is that cool yeah 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 we have one more song and then oh, oh, some sorry. instrumental do you want us to do the like one last song and absolutely then, yeah, yeah. yeah 
Okay. So we might have to take a couple of takes of this one. Off. We might be okay. Though. Yeah, uh, yeah. But do you need yeah. how much of that do you so, need? So I definitely need. So. Yeah. So this will be from um, next month. We have our Gaelic summer program. Cool. And so it's the idea was like, um, we always think it's interesting how like bigger ensembles try to do outreach, and the way that they do outreach is they go to schools so or they go play in bars. But we didn't want to do that. We wanted to actually do a full, just a, the concert at bars. So there's no outreach. The whole concert is bars. Yeah. And so what we did was we picked all dance music and drinking songs from Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and England. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we just picked a whole bunch of, like, traditional drinking songs that people can drink, can join in and sing on. And, like, you know, like we were talking earlier, actually almost this entire program, I sing low. I don't really sing high, but on, like, a couple of pieces because yeah. that would be really strange to have, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm doing it all in chest voice for this one, which is kind of fun because I'd never do that. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a neat little change. Is yeah. that right to put this up here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put this up here. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go that's, by yours. That's all good. Okay. Yeah, yeah yours, looks, yours looks better. <laughs> so anyway, so this is, everyone will know this one. This is What Do We Do With a Drunken Sailor? Nice. <laughs> which is the, yeah. it's in the English, English set, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you, yeah, you would end right here with me on that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we'll try this. So we might have to take, like I said, a couple of takes of this one. Whatever you gotta you. do. Okay. Or we're drunk. Whatever. <laughs> that's the great thing about the concert. If it screws up, that's fine. Everybody's drinking. Yeah. Like all this shit yeah. too. So like, 
No, I wrote all these. All right, well, oh, okay. good. That wasn't completely terrible of sound levels. Um, <laughs> we did the fastest sound setup switch from the video to the audio. Ever. I need to thoroughly thank our guests this episode um, because we've been the most scattered, uh, <laughs> anxious, uh, worried about making it to a performance people in the world, and you guys have just, you all, I'm working on my inclusivity. Oh, um, I'm from Texas. Y'all can say y'all. And I'm from West Virginia, so y'all is totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> That's um, totally in our vocab. I think it's the most useful, one of the most useful words. Like, singular absolutely. and plural. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, cool. Well, um, yeah, so you all are from Bach and Beethoven Ensemble. Yeah. Steve, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, sure. Well, um, so actually, we've been around uh, technically since 2009. I co-founded the ensemble originally with uh, an oboist that I went to grad school with uh, in Indiana. uh, His name is Curtis. Uh, he now lives with his partner out, out in Seattle, Washington, and um, and we originally just formed the ensemble, like, we were just these grad students that just wanted to play more Bach, and we're serious about playing more Bach, and so we uh, basically, for those two years, two and a half years, just played on series. We were kind of more of a gigging ensemble, um, and then, so our into our third season, our probably our last performances were... Um, here, well, one of them got the, was in the middle of the snow apocalypse, so, mm-hmm. um, oh, so we actually had to like postpone that one. Um, and then uh, the uh, Academy of Early Music in Ann Arbor, Michigan, I think, was one of our last performances for um, for a little while. Yeah. We, we went on a hiatus. What was funny was um, in 2014, I met Thomas. Uh, for the third time through the same mutual friend uh, we had originally <laughs> met in Texas I guess it took three times this week I don't know <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know what it says about either of us if we're just like absent minded or something and we just need providence cues or something but like uh, we uh, basically met oh I can't remember what year 2005 it's 2009 because I just, oh, moved, I just moved to Texas to start my grad school at Texas Women's University and Brandy was finishing at University of North oh, Texas yeah. so that would have been 2005 actually yeah yeah sorry 2005 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 2009 was our second meeting or so was it 2005 no 2009 or yeah nine. that was our second meeting yeah, yeah 2009 was our second meeting because we had in both independently moved up here to chicago and our same mutual friend came up here for an audition and she was like hey you you know have uh, Thomas and Randy, have y'all like met each other? Or, and we had remembered briefly meeting several years earlier. So we got reconnected then. And then by the third time, <laughs> yeah, we, we were kind of like, oh, that's cute. Like, and oh, then we went nice. yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And then we kept continued to live our lives. And then it was 2014 before we met for the third time. And we like got into more. So, uh, to some more extensive conversation it was like hey we should have an ensemble together and so and I had mentioned to him that well I am looking for a partner uh for BBE because um Curtis uh, Curtis's partner landed a great job at the University of Washington they got married so they were off to Seattle so it was going to be really difficult to have this ensemble together um uh, remotely basically so um so anyway Thomas and I um formed the BBE for the second time in 2014 we basically decided okay so 
we were a gigging ensemble before, which was which was cool and fun and everything, but that we were very limited in the sorts of projects that we could do. And the, the thing that Thomas and I shared then and continue to share now is this vision for doing something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we um, when we got together and we just had these big dreams of, of how we were going to change the face of early music and classical music and, and uh, all these cool projects that we uh, wanted to do, it became very clear to us that we needed to go from a gigging ensemble structure to um, a better structure to suit mm. that vision. So we formed our board, we got our 501c3 status, we, um, we also... And, um, took on the biggest project that we've done yet, which was premiering our the Scotland's first opera that was the Gentle Shepherd last year, um, and uh, we and and in that and be, and um, through that experience, we actually got support from three foundations, three organizations, well, two foundations and a and a community trust, um, and we also um, developed a donor base and a fan base and just. Everything has um, definitely like improved and and has grown since then. We continue to do so. We're hoping to triple our budget this year as well. But we've been able to get national recognition through Early Music America with our most recent article of of um, Chicago musicians um, thinking and playing outside the box, which is what we're doing. And um, and then also just with. Um, with the success of the General Shepherd, we're definitely going to repeat that and and do a tour of that. But we also thought, okay, well, let's think even bigger, and uh, and we'll do. There's a really cute cat over here. Sorry if I sound distracted. No, no, no. So, That's like yes. an easy, immediate, like informality maker, which is yeah. really nice for. We try really hard to cultivate a. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so anyway, I'm enjoying petting this cat. But uh, but I'll also uh, mention, too, that um, this uh, upcoming Gaelic summer project is something we've envisioned um, having um, basically like taking classical music and make, and figuring out like the threads that are relevant to everybody uh, today. And of course, what other thread would that be besides drinking songs and dance music? I mean, yeah. those are two of the social things that have stuck and continued through time. And so we've found uh, these really hilarious songs that are basically have the same content that, you know, people would sing about today and do sing about and dance to today. And then we also are going to throw in a few current pop tunes for our audience to do a new kind of karaoke. I don't think anyone's done karaoke to period instruments before mm-hmm. so oh that's God, something that, that we're going to, so <laughs> we're going to do awesome. that yeah. yeah and uh it's and, really nerdy but as yeah, long as you're into really, nerdy then it's really you'll love nerdy, it so. like you'll totally love it and uh, we're going to share drinking stories and you know have oh audience. and we we're going to i digitized my first drinking experience oh, so geez, i'm yeah. we have a multimedia <laughs> setup for at least the performance of martyrs so you'll yeah. get to see my first drinking experience <laughs> <laughs> blasted on the wall yeah yeah exactly so we're just like making it open for people to share more of themselves and funny cool. funny ver- like funny stories of themselves and and of course, there'll be an element of dancing too. We have um, the Heather and Thistle Highland dancers are joining us again. They joined us for the Scottish Opera, and they were fantastic. And we just had such a blast working with them. And so they're going to call some of the dances too. For we have some instrumental sets, um, some of some of which are the tunes that I played just instrumentally. We'll have a full band 
Um, so it'll be two fiddles, a, a bass violin, which looks like a cello, um, Baroque guitar, and then, of course, uh, Thomas singing in both his girl and boy voice. Yeah. <laughs> the boy cool. voice for the first time in 10 years. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that transitions actually really well to my, my like next question, which is I would love to talk about um, your voice because we were mentioning this before we started recording, and um, I weirdly was complimenting you that like I I've, I know a few people that are countertenors and I know really talented ta- countertenors I don't mean to like this is not a like a disparaging comment to them but it's an interesting thing this conversation of like as a countertenor working with the bottom and kind of I know a lot of countertenors that are not willing to go into like a chest voice if that's even a thing but you navigate that so well and it um, we, when you sang the first piece, we were both like, oh, he's just a really high tenor. And then all of a sudden you were like, ah, and I was like oh my God. So um, if you wouldn't mind, I would love to hear you a little bit talk about that kind of that process, how, um, where, what you were kind of rep you were singing before. And then all yeah. of a sudden, how, like how it, what you're like getting from something that someone that went to a undergrad or graduate school and knew a couple countertenors a little bit or something would be familiar with to something that is, I think, kind of like a second level or almost extended technique for countertenor voice. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting because if you go back and you look at history of um, vocal pedagogy, as much as there is a history of vocal pedagogy, um, before the modern tenor, and I say that because, you know, the extension of the of basically the chest voice or the lower voice up to the high C was not always done. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't done until like about 150 or so years ago. Exact date, you know, I, I don't have it in my mm-hmm. head. But before then, tenors were, you know, they would reach up to approximately the break area, you know, where, where most guys have kind of that place where they're not really sure what's going to go happen in their voice. Maybe it'll break and sound really bad. Maybe it'll be great. And they would approach that. And once they go over it, they would flip into the head voice, um, which is essentially what I do. So you kind of can think about what I'm doing is what tenors used to be. Um, Except instead of singing on kind of the bottom end, I tend to stay on the top end and then I dip into the lower voice Mm. uh, at the bottom when I have to. Um, And it's that's uh, for me, that's been the way to go because I know a lot of countertenors can take their top voice down very low and mine kind of bottoms out on that G on the middle of the staff. So, you know, for, for most people who, you know, if you don't, if you don't read music, that's really not that low. And a lot of countertenor rep goes significantly lower. Mm. So it's kind of like, well, do I, what do I do to be heard? And the only option really is to go down into just voice and to, to mix it. So ultimately it's kind of like, uh, if you're, a female singer, I kind of do similarly what what they do. Like I I get down to the bottom, I mix into the chest voice, mm-hmm. and I tend to stay up in the mixed and the head voice uh, higher up. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing I know uh, about countertenors is that they do tend to have ranges that they sit in in just there. Like I think that one of the movements in understanding the countertenor voice, and I my knowledge is pretty limited, but is that it's taking what would be that uh, head voice range. Um, and kind of figuring out what kind of voice that would be on the female scale, mm-hmm. um, or the people that are that identify as female scale. I don't know how. It's <laughs> yeah. a very interesting, fun conversation that I'm so sad that we don't have time for. It's kind of like giant gender identity and all this. But um, uh, anyway, uh, so 
do you have a, a that place where before you go into chest voice that you would say your voice falls into? Like, is it more of a soprano range or is it more of a mezzo range? Yeah, I'm definitely like, um, I'm definitely on the higher end of a mezzo range. Cool. So I, I'm getting older though, so it's not as easy on the top anymore. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, I would say I sing a mezzo rep pretty well. So for instance, Carabino sits pretty comfortably now. Oh, cool. Like that's a good reference for, for female stuff. But um, and you know, if, if females who have sung like handle stuff, like some of the lower stuff doesn't fit very well. So I would say, I would say like mezzo rep fits really well for mm -hmm. me. Um, but you know, like I've had two male sopranos like in my studio before and I am, I am always in awe of their ability to hit high C's. Like I've got a high C sharp or a D on a run, <laughs> but like they can just sustain those suckers. And it's just like, it's so incredible to see like a guy be able to do that. So very jealous of that one, but I, I definitely am on the, on the kind of the mid tier, kind of in the mezzo range, mm -hmm. I think. Cool. cool. Well, and it was, it, when you were at, fr at first singing, what struck me was just like how rich it was because I think that with a lot of like younger um, countertenors, there's kind of like that hollow mm. quality. Mm. And that's not to disparage countertenors because mm -hmm. I think that it's a beautiful vocal tradition and like it sounds, it's like haunting and lovely with French art song and et cetera, et cetera. But like what struck me was just how rich it was throughout the whole thing. and. I almost think that that is a testament to dipping into the chest. It, mm. it adds that kind of core of sound to it. It's really interesting. Well, yeah, well, I have to tell you, that's, I think that's true. Well, a couple of thoughts on, on, on the idea of the richness of sound. Um, you know, I think it goes to what's your optimal range. Because, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you know, it's funny. If you try to make a soprano sing as a mezzo, it's not going to sound very good, mm -hmm. right? right? If you try to make a baritone sing as a tenor, you know, there's optimal, there's optimal octave, there's an optimal fifth that people should be singing in. And I think the same thing goes for countertenors too. Like I was always able to do this, right? Yeah. It's just the development, right? And mm -hmm. teachers taught me the way that they would teach um, uh, their other singers. Um, there's kind of this mystification of the countertenor voice, but ultimately it's just, it's a voice. And as long as you teach the same principles, of of technique with the breath with open throat relaxed jaw those sorts of things the the right thing will come out in some way right, right. but um uh, where was I going with that <laughs> oh no, no, no sorry no no, no you're totally fine um, well I did want to ask um why Bach and Beethoven mm -hmm. what what uh, is it yes. about is it uh those composers is it Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's definitely so. It's about their philosophy and mentality more, cool. and their vision more than anything else. Um, with Bach, uh, there's he just the inner workings, the outer workings, everything about his music is so thoroughly thought through. He is definitely um, goes to his own drum. He's, I mean, he's highly influenced by. Um, the reigning national styles of the time for sure. I mean, he's, you know, transcribes at the same time uh, Vivaldi, but then has this huge organ lineage um, and is heavy into the French as well. But I think um, Bach, you can tell like just how deep, deeply he learns about everything. And then he puts, and then he not only just makes his own voice out of it, but he finds a way to forward that particular thing. 
um, and think of it in a new in a new way. He first masters it and then he propels it forward. Um, and so he and so we were saying like kind of you know he strives for the ideal a lot too. And what he does is he plays. I like to call it the money range. Um, he plays to the money range of the particular instruments he uses. The um, the genres that he's writing within. I mean, he just, you know, he, he finds a way to make something um, where he's mastering the conventions of the time and at the same time being very innovative. And I would say that about Beethoven as well, just his philosophy and his vision. And he, they were both very out of the box and um, not, you know, uh, and in some ways, like, their music was highly admired but then also highly like kind of confusing to Mm -hmm. people at the time as well um i can't imagine like a member of a of box congregation like complaining about him but that did happen you know so it's kind of funny you know um so anyway i just we just think of it like that we think of them as like masters of the old and of the new Mm -hmm. and so um there's yeah. also a practical point to that too like most of yeah. the music that we play kind of fits in between Bach and Beethoven yeah. Brandy mentioned the, you know the, yeah. the instrumentalists play on period instruments cool. so we use the yeah. instruments either facsimiles or in some cases originals um, that would have been used to the time period we do foray into new works so for instance in October we're doing a whole program of nothing but new works for period instruments that we've commissioned from four composers in Chicago oh, wow. um, but uh, you know aside from those which we do love to do new music it, it does fit kind of in that period of the Baroque to maybe the early romantic period cool wow. cool well we um, sadly only have a couple minutes left the last thing we do with all our, with all of our guests is a minute plug. Cool. Um, so it's a minute for both of you, actually. Okay. Um, meaning both of you get each a minute is what I mean to say. Um, <laughs> You're timing, right? It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or uh, roughly a minute. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> what that can be is sometimes it's very obvious, like upcoming performances. Um, and also uh, it can be like other people. You can shout out the people that are doing dope work. Or uh, self-care stuff, good (laughs) TV shows, books, things like that. Sure. Well, I'll make a plug for us, um, which is you should definitely join the BB family. It's tons of fun. It's super cool. Go to our website, bbensemble.org, and follow us because we're posting things all the time. We don't just post about when the concert happens. We post about the content of the concert Mm -hmm. so that people can understand and get involved and also get an inside look into the music that we're doing. We did. We had tons of material for the General Shepherd. We'll have lots of material for this a Gaelic summer. Um, and just like it's it's cool to be able to talk about fun little facts. So, bbensemble.org. And then our upcoming performances. <clears throat> well, first of all, you should tune into Chicago Irish Radio. We're going to appear on uh, a week from today, on May twenty seventh, between eleven thirty a.m. and one p.m. And then um, you should come to our shows, especially the Martyr Show on Thursday, June 15th. Um, that's where we'll have the throwback Thursday, the drinking stories, the, the dancing, the uh, multimedia, everything The you know. Um, if you can't come on Thursday, of course, there's the Red Lion, which will be just as fun uh, on Wednesday, the 14th. We have a big VIP event on the 16th. So June 14th, 15th, 16th, come to a Gaelic summer, sign up for our newsletter and yeah, come hang out with us. We love, we love our people. Yeah. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay, so it's my turn. So I'm just going to reinforce the Gaelic summer program. And the reason why is because um, I feel like a lot of times people think of classical music as being stodgy and not very fun. And that's because a lot of it is, is, is very high art. And there's definitely a place for that. Um, this is not high art. This is fun. This is literally drinking songs and dance music from the 17th century, the British Isles, although the Irish don't like that. Sorry, guys. And the 18th century. And the UK, sorry. So, <laughs> sorry if we called you an island. Like <laughs> this is an opportunity if you love classical music, if you love early music, if you love folk music, if you love going to bars and pubs, if you like getting food, if you like getting a few drinks if you like getting too many drinks this is an opportunity to throw everything together into one night spread out over three nights um (laughs) and just have a good time with really cool interesting people not necessarily us you should bring some yourself right um but it's it's a really fun way to look at classical music um that is not done very often um and that is really what classical music was initially right classical music was entertainment Uh, These songs were entertainment. This was the Beyonce music of the 17th and 18th (laughs) centuries. So basically, come and join us for what amounts to Beyonce music uh, in the classical world um, and just have a good time. And like Brandy said, you can find all the information on our website at bbensemble.org and follow us on Facegram. Uh, Facebook. Oh my God! Yeah. Facebook. It's all the no, same, right? Facebook, no, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Uh, I think I got everything. Cool. I think that was. Oh, SoundCloud oh, too. Yeah, Twitter. Yeah, you said. Yeah. So you know, we're all there, and we we love to talk to people too. This is how we got this gig. They they wrote us randomly. And we're like, yeah, let's come hang out with your cats in your apartment. <laughs> and so we love talking to people online, and would love to see you guys there too. Cool. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. I've been Daniel Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. If you want to keep up with us, there's tons of ways you can do that. Head over to scopymag.com. That's our website. We have articles there. Um, we'll be posting uh, events for all of our upcoming summer events soon. Uh, keep posted for that. Uh, social media, you can find us on Facebook, Scopy Magazine, Instagram, and Twitter at Scopy Mag. And I'm here, as always, to emphasize the importance of donations. Um, we run on a shoestring budget. We're putting on a bunch of performances this summer, and we could really use your help. We would really, really appreciate it. Thank you in advance. So go to our website, scopymag.com. Go to our About section. If you become a monthly subscriber, we'll give you a shout-out on the show. And any and all shows that we do in our apartment, you will have access to. So, um, like I said, scopymag.com. Give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening.